This episode of The Outside Podcast is brought to you by Eureka Springs, a one-of-a-kind destination nestled in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas. If you haven't heard, Arkansas is emerging as an adventure hotspot. Miles of trails have been built here every week for years. And perhaps the best spot to enjoy this new energy is Eureka Springs, a town in the quirky corner of the state, surrounded by beautiful natural playgrounds. So you have all the space you need to feel safe when traveling. Take the Kings River, which flows just outside of town. This rare, undammed river beckons paddlers and even snorkelers with remarkably clear water. Then there's nearby Beaver Lake Tailwaters, where you can cast flies for trout in an often blissfully uncrowded waterway. Or head to Lake Leatherwood City Park, which offers more than 25 miles of hiking and biking trails, as well as an 85-acre spring-fed lake for water sports. Back in town, you'll find winding streets carved into rocky hillsides and lined with Victorian architecture, plus fine art galleries, unique shops, restaurants, and spas. People say the most curious things when they visit Eureka Springs. Come for yourself, and you'll find out why. Learn more at eurekasprings.org. Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Curious indeed. From Outside Magazine, this is the Outside Podcast. Hey everyone, before we get started today, I want to tell you about some big news at Outside. We recently launched Outside Plus, an all-new membership that bundles exclusive access to stories and benefits from outside and all of our sister publications and brands, including Backpacker, Climbing, Velo News, Outside TV, Warren Miller, and Yoga Journal. If you're like me, you probably have one or two favorite sports and a bunch of others that you dabble in throughout the year. Our team wants to help you explore all of your passions. And that's the big idea behind Outside Plus. Members receive a subscription to the print edition of Outside Magazine, as well as another magazine of your choice from any of our other titles. You'll get digital access to members-only content across 20-plus brands in our portfolio, so you can access expert advice on gear, fitness, nutrition, and adventure travel, and get early access to races and other events. Two books a year, a personalized news feed, and invitations to interactive online experiences with editors, pro athletes, coaches, and other experts. Outside Plus really is the all-access membership to the world outside. And by joining, you'll be supporting in-depth, independent journalism. Learn more about everything included in our membership and join now at outsideonline.com outside plus. And as a bonus to listeners of the Outside Podcast, you can get 25% off an Outside Plus membership with the coupon code OUTSIDEPOD. That's all lowercase, OUTSIDEPOD. Now, let's get on with the show. Every couple of years or so, Outside publishes a collection of stories in the magazine that we call a zero-to-hero package. Typically, this has us sending editors and contributors out into the world to try something new that pushes them rather far outside their comfort zone. 
in order to develop a skill or maybe break a bad habit. They might even be asked to confront a long-held fear. This all fits the tagline that we've had on our magazine covers for a while now. Live bravely. So what are some of your favorite examples of this kind of story? Well, this one time we had uh, one of our most risk-averse editors who didn't like doing anything more extreme than fly fishing uh, take on downhill mountain biking. So, uh, yeah, he got a real real experience there. And then uh, kind of the reverse of that was one of our more macho editors signed up for Zumba classes. And that, that was great. He, he grew a lot. Right. This is my colleague Luke Whalen, who helped put together our most recent version of a Zero to Hero package, which we published earlier this year with the headline, Just Say Yes. Our hope this time around was to inspire readers to set some ambitious goals for themselves after the long months of COVID-19 lockdowns. Things got a little dark there. Just, I was getting pretty stuck in the Twitter doom scrolling and binging Netflix. So um, some inspiration was very helpful. Luke like so many of us, needed help shaking up his routines. This can be a painful process, even for people who already have healthy habits. Take Outside Magazine editor-in-chief Chris Kyes, who accepted the challenge of only breathing through his nose during his morning runs in order to improve his endurance. Within about, you know, a minute into my run of trying this, this brave new technique, I felt like I was suffocating, and I just felt miserable, like I was an asthmatic uh, having an attack or something. But Chris stuck with it. And now, I'm pleased to report, he's a committed nose breather. There was, um, you know, a, a sort of meditative quality to it, because you're really hearing your breath as you're breathing through your nose, and it has this rhythm to it. And so I really enjoyed that. We also asked some editors to do things that had nothing to do with sports or endurance. For example... Uh, our editorial director, Alex Hurd, was given the mission to smile more in the name of uh, improving his well-being. And uh, he understood why he was chosen for that one. My resting face is pretty blank. And so I look sort of like an Easter Island statue, I think. I just, I grin a little, but it's just sort of, I sort of look like I'm I'm ill rather than I'm, than I'm smiling. And that, that's... That's why I tend to not try to do it, because I know what the results are going to be. But Alex, bless him, went for it anyway. He started out by following prescribed exercises that had him imagining happy memories. That didn't really work, though he did have some success with other methods. I took naps with my cat as a way to relax and to a smile. The other thing I do, if I really have to try to smile... I'll, I'll laugh at something, even if it's a fake laugh, and then transition into a, kind of a smile that's left over from laughing. For now, Alex considers his smile project a work in progress. I'm still not convinced that it's possible for me to do. All right, Luke. So what challenge did you assign yourself? Yeah, so I turned 30 last fall in the middle of the pandemic. And for my birthday, my dad sent me a circular saw, um, which I had no idea how to use. My woodworking experience up until that point basically amounted to assembling Ikea furniture. So I decided I'd learn how to build something. So power tools and, and woodworking, far more utilitarian skills than, say, you know, nose breathing and smiling. Yeah, exactly. But it turns out woodworking is incredibly hard and not intuitive at all. 
I got overwhelmed just trying to figure out which screws to get at the hardware store. I couldn't find the plywood at Home Depot. Eventually, though, I learned how not to overthink everything so much and that it was okay that I was making lots of mistakes. And it was really cool to actually see something take shape. So I ended up making a planter and it's not a masterpiece, but it's sturdy enough to hold a tomato plant and I'm very proud of it. Another contributor to the package was Luke's girlfriend, Erin Berger, who had found herself lost in a kind of structuralist pandemic lifestyle even before the pandemic. Erin used to be the culture editor at Outside, but went freelance in the fall of 2019 to pursue writing full-time. She soon realized she wasn't so great at managing her time. So I never had anywhere to get to, which was very freeing. And then also it took any sense of time or structure out of my mornings. Like I would look up and it would be noon and then I'd be like, huh, okay, on to the next thing. The most important part of my routine was putting on a real shirt that's different from your sleeping shirt. And I thought that was very classy of me. I still do. When COVID struck, Erin's habits only got worse. The boundaries between her work and her personal life pretty much disappeared. And then she got a call from her editor at Outside. Then she was like, do you want to experiment with waking up early and being a morning person? And I was like, how did you know I'm not a morning person? <laughs> um, but then as soon as I saw the email, I was like, oh yeah, that does sound kind of nice. Erin's first step was calling Benjamin Spall co-author of the book, My Morning Routine, How Successful People Start Every Day Inspired. His whole approach is you want to do a morning routine that you actually enjoy. It's not to like make yourself suffer more. It's not to like optimize yourself, which I had always kind of thought that was the point. But anyway, so I took that advice and I was like, what about Oprah's morning routine? <laughs> maybe, maybe like who, who's the highest achieving person that I would think of off the top of my head? And it was Oprah. So Erin read up on Oprah's morning, which starts around 6.20 when her dogs wake her up. She then makes a cappuccino, meditates, writes in her gratitude journal, and does some yoga. She will do that while watching her best friend Gail King on, <laughs> on CBS. And uh, she has to see every morning what crazy-ass necklace, that's her quote, Gail King is wearing that day. Erin was into it. She has her own dog to help her get up, a healer chihuahua pug mix named Henry. And she figured that turning on CBS this morning might help make it all happen. It's kind of nice to feel like someone else is up early with you. So maybe I would tune in and see what crazy ass necklace Gail King was wearing. I probably did the super routine for like three days. I mean, I wanted to give it a try, but I just didn't like it. I liked parts of it, but I really felt like I was just kind of shuffling myself through this 10 minutes of each thing, and I was just doing a bunch of these things to check them off a list. Erin needed a simpler approach. After all, there's only one Oprah. I mean, basically what I came down to is like, I really liked this process of hydrating yourself and doing a little meditation and doing, you know, a little bit of like movement and like stretching. I did not like the parts where I was sort of just doing these rote, creative, self-care, whatever activities or, or work because it's like I write all day and I just didn't really feel like that was adding anything to my life. I got rid of a lot of that stuff and I kept 
I, you know, I drink the water, I meditate, I do my my little exercises. I pat Henry on the head because he was always there. That was that was still very important, and that was pretty much it. The stripped down approach worked far better than she expected. I think that the original plan was to do this for like one or two weeks, and I actually liked it enough to do it for like two months. Like I always thought people were just mourning people because they had to be like, they have kids or a job where they have to do that or they have to train for something. I didn't think of it as just like time for yourself and time to actually feel ready for the day instead of rolling out of bed and getting straight to work. I just felt like it was time that I couldn't necessarily guarantee myself for the rest of the day. And not to mention, I was really full of myself for like two full months because I was like, I'm a, I'm a morning person now. I don't know if you know, <laughs> but I wake up at 6.23. We'll be right back. When you think of the kind of vacation getaway you really need this year, the first word that comes to mind is probably escape. And one of the best places to do that is Eureka Springs, Arkansas. In this quirky corner of the state, life moves at a slower pace, and unwinding is the name of the game. The outdoor adventures of the Ozark Mountains are on all sides. Hiking routes overlooking the White River, an epic trail system for mountain bikers. Kayaking, stand-up paddleboarding, fly fishing. It's all here. And nowhere else can you get in this kind of play. Then come back to a town with so much character and soul. The entire downtown of Eureka Springs is a stunning Victorian village that's listed on the National Register of Historic Places. It's an ideal destination for music lovers. There are nightly shows, annual jazz, blues, and bluegrass festivals, an opera, and the country's largest folk festival. Eureka Springs is also a haven for creatives. More than 300 of the local residents are working artists. People say the most curious things when they visit Eureka Springs. Come for yourself and you'll find out why. Learn more at eurekasprings.org. Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Curious indeed. If there's a set of bad habits that almost all of us need help with these days, it's learning how to have better relationships with screens. Before the pandemic, we struggled to put down our devices. Now, we've just given in. Consider the case of Outside Magazine associate editor Abby Baronian. I do regularly text upwards of 60 people a day. Part of that is that I'm a part of several group threads that have a lot of people in them, which I think sort of artificially boosts my numbers. But it's really not uncommon for me to hit noon and scroll back through my phone and realize that I've had conversations with 20 different people. In so many ways, the pandemic has amplified it because it's the only way to engage socially. I feel like normally I try to create better habits around my phone and not being on it all the time. But yeah, with pandemic, I'm like, well, this is the only way to stay in touch with the people I care about. So I'm going to look at my phone. That may have been a reasonable choice for Abby, but it didn't make her happy. It feels like there are all of these people in the world that I love so much and that I want to show up for and be present for and interact with, and that I'm just accidentally blowing them all off. 
I'll read a text when I don't have a chance to respond to it and then just completely space. It makes me feel like a bad person and a bad friend and just sort of like all over the place. Abby decided that she would take on a challenge for our Just Say Yes package that really met the moment. She would only use her phone to talk to people. So the ground rules were no texting, no DMs on Instagram or Twitter or anything like that, no Slack, that office chat system for two weeks. And we had talked about a month and we had talked about a week and two weeks felt like enough time to settle in and get a little bored of it. Whereas a week, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to learn anything in a week. And a month felt like too long. To make this all a bit more complicated and uncomfortable, Abby and her editor decided that she would be allowed to read texts that people sent her. She just couldn't text anyone back. So if somebody sends me a text message, I can't respond to it, but I can pick up the phone and give them a call and kind of figured that anything that I needed to talk to somebody about would merit a phone call. And if I didn't feel like picking up the phone and calling somebody about what they texted me about, then maybe it just didn't matter so much. Not surprisingly, she found herself making a lot of phone calls. Between 8 and 12 was an average day. I have day five, and I called a friend about going for a bike ride. I called two coworkers about work stuff. A friend texted me with questions about ski boots, who lives in Montana. Looking back on it, you know, I wouldn't look at a day where I texted, you know, these 12 people and be like, wow, what a nice day. But it was so nice to talk on the phone with Kelsey and Liz and Lucy and my dad and my mom and Diane. Of course, calling people when they don't expect it can be kind of awkward. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Um... This poor man, I just, <laughs> so, and he was cute too. Abby is talking about a guy she had matched with on Tinder just as she began her two weeks. And so he texted me and I can't remember what, he invited me to meet up or something. And I called him back feeling pretty strange about it. Just being like, oh my God, if I were on the other end of this, I would be like, who is this lunatic woman? On the note of phone calls being kind of intrusive and out of vogue with my generation. Um, I'm 27 for context. And he, yeah, just just texts me back immediately. Like dot, 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 dot. Did you call me? Question mark. I think I just gave up because I was like already so like red cheeked. And I'm sure, do you know that feeling? We were like making a phone call you don't want to make or I don't know, you're going to like ask somebody out on a date. And you like feel like your whole body's turning red because you're so nervous to make that phone call to this man. I'm just like sitting there like sweating and sweating and sweating. And I like have it, his number up on my phone and like finally get at the gumption to press it. And I'm sitting there and it's ringing. I'm sweating and sweating and sweating. And after he texted me that, I was just like, I give up. This is just like not meant to be. Also, if he doesn't have the guts to call me back, then, you know, it's not meant to be anyways. Despite her Tinder implosion, and some other anxious dialing, Abby did start to feel more comfortable making all kinds of phone calls. You know, that was a really interesting part of this whole process was at first feeling really shy about picking up the phone and calling people and feeling really kind of intrusive. And I got used to it after a few days and just stopped worrying about it to the point that I had a hilarious series of three days where I think I, I, think I cold called four exes who had texted me. <laughs> And I had to just keep calling these men back and being like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. As more time passed, Abby really did learn to appreciate the deeper level of connection that you get when you speak to someone. To actually get on the phone and hear my coworkers' voices was so nice. 
And there were friends too that, you know, I don't hesitate to text an old friend that I haven't been in touch with in a few months or even longer and just say like, hey, thinking of you. And to actually kind of get over the, the like, oh no, this phone call is going to take so much time and so much energy and just pick it up and be like, oh yeah, I love this person. I know this person. It's not a big deal. I think it's really easy to build a phone call up in your head. And so to just like cold call these people, really good friends, like people I don't know super well, people that I would be intimidated to call, just be like, oh, this is actually pretty easy, which I imagine sounds really silly to any listener who existed as an adult before cell phones. Cause like, it's not a scary thing to do, but for some reason it just gets built up in your head as like, yeah, intruding and asking this person to give you their time. Which, on that note, you know, that's what we're doing when we when we talk to someone. And I think, for the most part, people are really happy to give you their time. By the end of the two weeks, Abby reached a point where she no longer had the energy to make a pile of phone calls every day. So she stopped responding to a lot of people. And that ultimately led to her biggest takeaway. That it's actually okay if you don't stay in touch with everyone fine and makes sense that I let things slip through the cracks. And so I think kind of my attitude towards myself and my own sense of of the ways that I'm failing has gotten a lot kinder and gentler. Her other big lesson, phone conversations are great, but lots of times a simple text really is the best option. It's kind of nice to have a way to communicate with people that is a little less committal and involves like a little less emotional engagement when, you know, the time or the situation calls for it. Which makes Abby all the happier that her assignment is over. It was really fun. Um, And I'm glad that I don't have to do it anymore. (laughs) Perhaps the most difficult assignment that any of our team took on for our Just Say Yes package was the one that senior editor Kelsey Lindsay assigned to herself. Kelsey was the lead editor of the project, and she opted to confront a serious fear that she developed after an incident that happened one night about seven years ago when she was living in Washington, D.C. I was walking home from work at night, and it was on my block. I was just approached by three men. They pushed me against a van, and I think they were going to mug me, and I just screamed as loud as I could. And after that, I just remember them like running away and me running down my block and being terrified. The experience completely changed how Kelsey approached her time outside, in the city, and everywhere else. Immediately after, I would just like take an Uber everywhere. I was not going to be walking from even the metro stop to my house was, I don't know, like maybe five blocks. But I would take an Uber from there just because I just didn't want to be alone walking. I used to run at night and I didn't anymore and I still don't. And I would also run pretty much only on like crowded trails, even in the day, just to be surrounded by people. Even if I had to like be dodging them, I was totally fine with that. (laughs) If I'm in a crowd, I I just feel so much safer. Kelsey used to have a dream of hiking the Pacific Crest Trail along the west coast of the United States. But her fear of being alone in the wilderness made that impossible. Then, a few years ago, she moved to Santa Fe for her job at Outside Magazine and once again found herself wondering if she could do a solo backpacking trip. Since coming to New Mexico, I've been backpacking a lot more, always with groups, of course, but 
I felt like I was like physically able to do it. I had all the skills. I knew how to boil water <laughs> and how to like make a route. So I felt like this was the time to do it. Last fall, she decided to go for it. She'd start small with a one-night outing in the backcountry of Bandelier National Monument. It's pretty close to where we live in Santa Fe, and that was an appeal to. But it's mostly known for its Pueblo dwellings. They have like a canyon hike that's pretty much a loop, and I just did an out and back uh, on the rim of the canyon. When the morning of the trip came, Kelsey was full of excitement, but also fear lot of dread and a lot of, I don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. If I wasn't writing this stupid article, I would not do this. <laughs> Is there any way I can say I did this, but like <laughs> not do it? Just like a lot of uh, just psyching myself out. She drove to the trailhead, just as she'd planned, stepped out of her car, put on her pack, and started walking. The first two miles, I was you know, looking over my shoulder, as I usually do. But uh, when it was very clear that there was no one around, that helped a lot. And even I was looking at the tracks in the dirt. A lot of the tracks were mostly just animal tracks. And it was, <laughs> that was some comfort to me that it, instead of like human tracks, it was mostly animal tracks. And so that just helped me relax and know that like there there weren't a lot of people around, which might be terrifying to some, but that is totally fine with me. <laughs> totally fine. I'd rather have no one around than just one person around. When Kelsey arrived at her campsite, she looked for a spot to set up her tent that seemed safe. I settled behind some bushes, which I think gave me some protection, or just even mentally, I thought, gave me some protection. But uh, the bushes kept on just like smacking against the tent, which everyone has had that experience. But I think it helped me a lot because it just drowned out every other noise. It was just I could just only hear the wind and the branches. I couldn't hear anything else around me. So I couldn't imagine like footsteps or anything else. The night was uneventful and Kelsey slept okay. When she woke up in the morning, though, she felt something very unexpected. Loneliness. It was just me and this silence, which was nice and peaceful, but also I just missed talking to people. <laughs> and I, I'm not that social of a being, but I, I don't know, maybe it was just going through something that was kind of a big deal to me and not being able to talk about it with someone. Maybe that's what made me lonely. Usually when I'm alone, it's just I'm afraid, and I don't even have time to process this loneliness. When being afraid wasn't kind of an option, or maybe I got over it, or I was worried about other things, loneliness was able to creep in. This was a totally new experience for her. As Kelsey explains it, she realized that while she tends to feel afraid when other people are around, she also takes comfort in their presence. And so, during her hike back to the trailhead, she listened to a podcast so she could hear someone else's voice. As soon as I was putting on my headphones, I was, like, hearing my mom's voice, like, don't put on your headphones. Like, what if someone's behind you? Like, you can't hear someone. I put one 
headphone in just in case someone decided to show up five miles into the backcountry. I could hear them. <laughs> Kelsey had successfully taken on her fear, but that doesn't mean she's back to dreaming about a solo on the Pacific Crest Trail. I just decided, like, I'd like backpacking with people more. And that's not even just, like, in terms of, like, the safety aspect. It's just being able to talk to people and not being in my head the whole time. You can read Kelsey's story and Luke's, Chris's, Alex's, Erin's, and Abby's on Outside Online. Just search our site for The Year for Yes. This episode was produced by Luke Whalen and edited by me. Michael Roberts. Music by Robbie Carver. This episode was brought to you by Eureka Springs, a one-of-a-kind destination nestled in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas. People say the most curious things when they visit Eureka Springs. Come for yourself and you'll find out why. Learn more at eurekasprings.org. Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Curious indeed. The Outside Podcast is made possible by the support of our Outside Plus members. Learn more and join at outsideonline.com slash outside P-L-U-S. Outside podcast listeners get 25% off an Outside Plus membership with the coupon code OUTSIDEPOD.